0: Coming up, lessons in real estate from a former mayor and HGTV coach, gone full time investor and entrepreneur. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on your finances.
1: You're
0: clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. Hey everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Military Millionaire Podcast. If you're new here, we have a Facebook group with 63,000 plus members in it. We have free content on the YouTube channel, free content on the podcast, the blog, all the social media platforms, and, and we have an extremely valuable mastermind community called The War Room. Now, the entire goal of this community is to help service members and veterans like yourself achieve financial freedom, but also to enjoy the ride along the way. And if you're like me, you've probably struggled with shiny object syndrome, right? And, you know, wanting to have to do it all, right? Have it all, do it all, all the things. Oh, that looks cool. That looks cool, right? Today's guest is a retired police officer and airman. He is the former mayor of his town, and now he has started not one, Not two, but multiple, multiple businesses, as well as a coaching program of his own. His name is Bud Evans, and not only is he a member of the War Room Mastermind community, but he is a man driven by service and helping others, which you'll see as a recurring theme throughout this show. Now, he specializes in the Burr strategy, which is when you buy, rehab, rent, refinance, a property and hold it as a rental property and then you try to repeat that process long term and i'm excited to bring him in for us all to benefit from this story so without further ado bud evans bud welcome to the show brother what's going on dave oh just living life all right so we're going to just jump right in with a question and i'm going to ask so police officer air force officer mayor real estate investor agent coach What's been the most rewarding of those roles for you personally, and why? Uh,
1: I, you know, I'd love to say serving my country or serving you know the locality, the municipality that I was in. Honestly, it's giving back. It's uh, it's coaching other people, helping them achieve their dreams. Uh, that's the thing that really kind of gets me going, gets the juices flowing. Watching one of my clients or students actually knock their first deal out of the park—really, that's what really gets it going for me.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised at all by that. Uh, you know, I mean, all of these actually are pretty service based. So it's it's clear that you like giving back. Uh, I think that's a recurring theme, right? Between law enforcement, Air Force, mayor, I mean, none of those are like, high income, selfish jobs, right? Uh, so that's, that's not surprising at all. But all right, so we're gonna we're gonna spin back a little bit here and talk to me a little bit about the backstory. How'd you get into real estate investing? What kind of timeline are we looking at as far as all these different careers? Like how did do, how does this all, how do the pieces fit together?
1: Yeah, man. So, um, you know, I, I was active duty military back in the eighties, uh, got out, tried some entrepreneurial stuff, failed miserably, owned a restaurant for a short period of time. Again, failed miserably, uh, 1993 became a police officer, stayed there. I was in the guard, uh, stayed as a Police officer till about uh, 2004 had been deployed about three times. Um, 2005, I went back into the military. Stayed there until 2021. So total service 13 years police, 34 years military service. Moved to New Jersey uh, in 2014. 20, I, you know, you know how it is. Dave. We we move someplace we want to make it better than when we got there. So I decided to, you know, serve on a local uh, a local board working with parks. Um, so we did some things there. There were a few other things that I, I got involved in, uh, that led to a political request, you know, Hey, would you like to run for local committee? And I said, sure. Why not? Um, went to the military and said, Hey, look, you know, cause now at the, at the time I was still, you know, active, but I didn't realize that I was still a technician. Uh, and that was kind of where the key was here. So I said, Hey, am I allowed to run for local office? And they said, good luck. And they signed some paperwork for me and I went and I, and I did it. Uh, 2014 to tw- uh, 2016 is when that happened. 2016 to 2018 is when I served on committee, became the mayor. Um, they called me on a Friday night back in uh, July of 2018 and said, Hey, remember when we told you, you can run? Yeah. You got to resign. I'm like, great. What the end of my, like the end of my tour. And they're like, Nope now. <laughs> so, uh, but long story short, Here's what happened. I was working with zoning. I was working with planning. I was working with budgeting. I was doing economic development. I really liked the real estate aspect and the planning uh, portion of my job as the mayor. Uh, I also, as we've already kind of pointed out, you know, I liked helping other people. Well, what I did was uh, I took that economic development aspect of it, um, met up with a couple of people who were doing real estate found it, there were similarities. So I jumped at it. Uh, July of 18, I tried to do it all on my own. I failed miserably. Um, and then October ran into this organization, uh, bought a mentorship package by January of 2019. It was on. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got my first flip, uh, in November while I was living in Texas. I had a wholesaler reach out to me, did everything over, over the phone basically. Um, Started that first flip in January. At the end of January, had two rental properties, and then over the course of the first two years, I did ten wholesales. Uh, I had twenty-one rental properties, and I did over thirty flips. Um, matter of fact, I don't wholesale much. As a matter of fact, like this morning, I I started a wholesale on another property because I just don't have the bandwidth to deal with it. So that's essentially how I got into real estate. And then, you know, a couple of years after that. Um, got a phone call from a guy who worked with Tariq Al Musa, and we helped stand up his coaching program on the West coast.
0: Oh, so you were part of the initiation for that. That's interesting. That was actually going to be one of my follow-up questions is how you and Tariq, uh, got connected. So I guess we could, if you want to talk a little bit about that scenario, cause that's, yeah, kind of sure. Cool. I'll uh, skip to that um, question. So, and I'll
1: come back. So I, I, I have a friend of mine. His name is Ryan Burke. We called him Rye guy. Um, So he lived on the West Coast. Uh, We were talking about EXP Realty. Um, We were going through, you know, what he was doing, what I was doing. And he said, you know, I think you'd be a really good fit with this. We're starting this new thing up. And I said, cool, let's do it. Um, And that was it, man. The next thing I knew, here we were. You know, I had like 20 students at a time, you know, 15 hours a week dedicated towards coaching uh, and just kind of fell in love with it. Um, Then started my own thing on the side.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll dig into that. We'll get into that because I've got curious about some of the stuff you learned uh, with that as well. But um, I am curious, and I've never gotten to ask a mayor this before or a former mayor, but uh, I am curious, like what your time being a mayor may have shifted as far as now. Obviously, you did that before you got into investing, so um, but I am curious how that shifted. You think the way that you approach real estate, if at all?
1: Yeah, um, well, I will tell you that the difference between being the mayor and not being the mayor. And listen, when I say, Oh yeah, I was the mayor of a, of a, a you know, small town. People go like, Oh my God, you were a mayor, dude. It's really not a glorious job. I made mm-hmm. 300 hours a month and I worked 40 to 50 hours a week. Um, you know, and the money that I made, I, I basically donated. So it's not, you know, it wasn't like a big deal. Um, yeah. I, I did it more for the, um, you know, for the, I don't know the gratification of helping people that I lived around, you know? Yeah. Um, how did it kind of other than the economic development aspect of it and and realizing I'll tell you so there was one real key moment that kind of got me into that mindset shift where i was working on at one point in time uh we have route 130 which is a new jersey highway and we had all of this land that we were trying to redevelop there was a, an old acme building that was there that we, that we were turning into a storage facility uh we got two pad sites developed on there as well we had this old abandoned azalea farm which didn't have uh, sewer or water service to it so we we were going to run sewer and water to a major store so we got we brought a Lidl in which is kind of like a combination it's a German store a combination of Target and Walmart mm. we got them to develop that and then um connected that with a friendlies, So now we have a friendlies there and we're able to get rid of the the other portion of the Azalea Farm. farm. So that's being developed. And the thing that really got me switched was we got an over 55 community that was going bankrupt. We had one building uh, that had been raised and they were selling them as condos. We had an apartment developer come in, take over the project, bail out this guy and build seven buildings all at once with a community area. And they walked in, and when we started talking, I realized these guys aren't multi billionaires. You know, they're just like me. Uh, in fact, one of the guys was wearing a Joseph A. Bank suit, happened to be the same one I was wearing, Dave. The <laughs> same exact freaking suit. So, uh, of course, I threw that's the funny. you know threw some heat at him because that's what we do, right? I am like, hey, yeah. you know, see, so you have incredible taste. Obviously, we're going to get along, um, <laughs> right? Uh, and that was really the mindset shift that moment, knowing that, hey, these three guys are walking in here and they're doing it. I didn't know it at the time. They're doing a syndication deal, putting together this rental community with seven, it's 300 plus doors with this. And they're going to, and they get first right of refusal for the condos and they're actually doing nicer apartments than the condos were and, you know, making mint. And I went, why, why not me? You know, why mm. not me? So when I got done, I started, that's, that's kind of what really kind of got me going. I don't know why I went right to single family. I guess it's cause that's kind of what you get taught, you know, making the air quotes, but yeah. you know, jumping into commercial multifamily now, but yeah, that's, that was the mindset shift that I got. And I wouldn't have had that unless I had been the mayor.
0: That's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. What a, I mean, that's definitely a, an eye opening like kind of realization. It's funny. I, I had one of those, like, why not me moments. I haven't done anything with it yet, but, uh, doing the like Chicago architect tour. I don't know if you've ever done that where I was like looking at all the skyscrapers and hearing all the history. And it's like, none of those guys were billionaires when they built the first one. Right. And so it's, it's interesting. Cause I was like, dude, these guys, like, there's like 10 guys here who like reached down and grabbed their, uh, junk or whatever and said, you know, I could, I could build raise a hundred million dollars and touch the sky. Mm-hmm. Like that would work. Yeah. It's pretty cool.
1: Watching the Lakers uh, documentary on HBO, which like just ended, and Dr. Jerry Buss, who was the owner of the Lakers, that really brought them into the heyday in the '80s, and and I remember watching those teams growing up, them and the Celtics, they single handedly together uh, saved the NBA. But Dr. Jerry Buss owned the Chrysler Building and actually leveraged that brilliant guy, leveraged the building. Sold the building to somebody else and kept the land rights, and that's how he bought the Lakers. That's um, so his family, I think, still gets rent payments for the land that the Chrysler Building's built on. They that's... just sold that like five or six years ago or something for like 150 million. Nothing. They sold it for nothing because they don't own the land; they just own the building. It's amazing. That is amazing. That's
0: crazy. Yeah, that, that's it's interesting when you read some of that stuff about like New York and how some of those big buildings were built. Uh, and they talk about like purchasing air rights from like the building next door to be able to go higher. And, um, and there was some wheeling and dealing back in the day. That's for sure. Pretty yeah. crazy. One of these days I'm gonna build a tower here locally, but that's, uh, it's a, uh, another story for another time. All right. So what are, um, so now that you've kind of started doing your own coaching stuff, um, just curious, like what are some unexpected challenges that you have run into that, Uh, you know, maybe you didn't anticipate building out your own, I I jokingly, I wrote down here now that you're uh, doing your own guru land uh, adventure, but
1: uh, (laughs) yeah, you know know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you the biggest shock is somebody can drop like $5,000 and walk away, you know? Um, And and here's, here's the thing. I put a high value on my time. um, So I am not, I am not the kind of person who accepts the type of people who will ghost me into my program um i yeah. I only take in fact i I turn down a lot more clients than I take simply because I only want guys that are gonna take action. that's why I have a huge military discount yeah so um you know the reason that I charge civilians more is simply because they don't have what we have. You know, they don't have the background that we have. We we know that there's going to be times when your nose is to the grindstone and things get really difficult. And you know that you can rely on your checklists and your processes to get you through the nasty times. Going through one right now, in fact, with a flip. Um, what am I doing? I'm going back through the process. Keep, keep rewriting. Keep rerunning the numbers. Keep rerunning the numbers. Okay, where are we? Where are we? Okay, great. Now we got to do this, this, and this. Okay. Oh, wait, we did this. All right, great. Now we're on to the next metric. Let's go. Push. Um, There are so many people that don't do that. And it's unfortunate because, you know, there were, that's, that's kind of the thing that I, that I took away from it the most is that I'm shocked that somebody can drop, you know, 5,900 on a, on a, on a mentorship program and then go, yeah, um, dude, I appreciate it, but uh, I don't think I'm going to do this you know, and not like, Hey, can you give me your money back? Cause the answer is no, dude, I got to pay all of the virtual assistants who set this up. I just paid for six months of our networking thing. I had this project over here. I've got you in this, we put you in this program over here. So no. And they're like, okay, fine. See ya. I don't, I can't grasp that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I get that. I, that it is, it is interesting. Um, and the, and the thing, the funny thing is like those people are the ones who will go and be like, oh, I paid for this, you know, I got duped. I paid for this high ticket yeah. thing and, and I got nothing out of it. And it's like, well, you didn't, what'd you put into it? You know, I mean, even, right. even, exactly. with, even with the war room, right. We're a not a high ticket offer and every, every now and then somebody will be like, oh, well, you know, I did X, Y, Z and you know, I'm not really feeling like I'm getting whatever out of it. And I'm like, I've and to be fair, I've never had anyone request. I do, I do a 30 day money back guarantee. I've not in four years. I've had one person now it, uh, ask for the refund, but they bought it. And literally the next day, like they hadn't been able to log in or anything. They were like, Hey, I just had a crazy emergency come up. And I was like, yeah, here you go. Um, you know, and I, I'm in contact with them. They're going to join back up, but not one person's ever asked for the refund, but I've had a couple people that are like, Oh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm getting what I thought I'd get out of it. And, uh, when I talk to them, I'm like, well, you know, how long have you been in the group? They're like, oh, three, four months. I'm like, yeah. And this is the first time we've ever talked. Like, you've never shown up to a single call. Right. I wonder why you're not getting everything you thought you would out of this. Like, you gotta, you gotta show up, you know, that's, I mean, showing up's half the battle.
1: Yeah. Right, man. I, I can't tell you, like, um, with, with Tarek, we talk, we talk about, um, you know, people who take action, you know, and that's, that's really what it comes down to. If you, if I sit there and say, great, here are the requirements for the course, uh, every week you need to make five offers. Now to me, five offers, like I'll do that in a day and not think anything of it and just get like rejection, 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 rejection. I'll get 25, 30 rejections in a week. I don't even blink because it's, there's going to be one that's going to come through and I'll be like, okay, cool. I just made 150,000, you know? Yeah. And that's great. It's the people that go like, oh, five offers in a week. Oh my God. I wear my, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Here, here's, here's an idea. Um, you, you get on your computer and you type out an email and say, here is my offer. I'm willing to pay this amount because of this amount of money that needs to go into the project. I would love you to bring that to your client. And if you accept that, we will go to contract immediately. Um, I am, you know, all cash, whatever, whatever your, you know, whatever your terms are going to be buzzwords (laughs) and send it right. Just just send it. It's, it's that simple. And people get all bent out of shape thinking that I don't, I don't know, Dave, what they're, they're like, I it's, it seems so much bigger. You know, I'll be honest though, man, when I first started, and I know you probably felt the same way the first time that I took out that hard money loan and did it with other people's money. Oh my God, dude, the the amount of responsibility that I felt got put on my shoulders. But at the same time, I did it, right? It was done. Like we, we finished it in three months and sold the property and made 65, um, worth every penny, by the way you know yeah. because then i turned around and i had i already had two rental properties behind that i already had three more that i purchased you know got under contract right after that and then i took that 65 and i bought five turnkey properties in pittsburgh done you know and then you're on your way so
0: yeah the the stress behind the private and hard money is i think actually a good sign right people hate it but it just means yeah. you care like i've had yeah. deals where uh, well not deals plural deal one um the one that was just a ridiculously over budget over timeline you, i mean i would call it a failed flip it's the best before and after pictures i've had because it was a house that had a fire and then we brought it back to life and it was like the highest end renovation i've done so like great house um but we went way over budget At the end of the day i ended up losing like 20 grand on it and my my private lender you know still got every payment made every dollar. And so I give him a hard time. It's a friend. I'm like, you know, you're the only person who made money on that stupid deal. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but stress though, is, is just, just, I think it's just a sign that you, you know, I think that's a good thing. Like, it's funny cause we don't want to tell our investors, right. We don't want to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. You know, this is making like the, the, exactly what you said, but it's like, I bet you, if you told your investor, like, Hey, my biggest fear with this project is that I would do you wrong. And yeah. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. Like, that would sit really well, I'm sure, with most investors.
1: <laughs> yeah, we. It's funny you bring that up because we actually do a, a a promissory note. We do a, a personal guarantee on our deals. Like I had one that failed miserably, and I had to sell a rental property to make the make the investor hole, and I did it without question. Didn't even bat an eye. Um, so uh, you know, I mean, it it really kind of depends on the person. Uh, but yeah, man, the the thing that you know I really look forward to as far as well. I don't want to do dirty to the people that depend on us, you know? Yeah. So.
0: I like it. Um, All right. So what are you working towards? What's next in, actually, you know what, before we dig into that, there was another one in here. Um, Yeah, there we go. So what other businesses are you and Aim High invested in? I know it's not just buying some flips.
1: No, it's not. So Aim High is a parent company now. Uh, It's, it morphed from what was my original JKS homes, which was just keep swimming. And we just did flips. And then I started a rental company and we just did rentals, you know, I mean, Hey, right. It, it's it is the best,
0: hey, the best LLC name. I've got some crazy LLC names, but that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Listen, Dave, I got to tell you, man, like somebody pointed it out to me. They're like, you realize it sounds like jackass homes when you say it real fast, right? And I'm like, <laughs> son of a bitch. It does. It's you know, okay. I mean, I just... I've got a White Trash Weenies LLC.
0: So, you know, I mean, it could be we were going to buy a mobile home park and we were like, this will be awesome. And then it didn't close. And so now we're like, we bought a bunch of tax liens in it and we have to tell people the LLC name all the time. It's like actually an LLC that owns real estate. And I'm like, this is the worst idea ever. <laughs> white Trash Weenies.
1: Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, we took aim high. We took JKS, turned it into aim high. I partnered with somebody on a couple of, of companies, code three properties, which has um, residential multifamily or residential properties uh, and some residential multifamilies. We have A second street, which is commercial multifamilies. We have code three, New Jersey. I have my personal portfolio, which is B real properties, Bud Evans real properties, be real. Be real, just <laughs> fit, right? You know, yeah, I like. Um, that. Yeah, I have the consulting company which does coaching, mentorship, and my real estate license is in there. Um, and then I have a property management company. I have a marketing company, and now my wife has a hair salon because nice. why not? Right? Yeah. They, the only thing about that hair salon that doesn't fit the model is that it's there's no real estate. We don't own the building. Mm. I tried. I tried, yeah. but yeah, yeah one no, of these days, probably. No
0: I'm sure at some point that'll that'll be the case that you do. But, uh, yeah, the property management thing, yeah. I, I like, I like this story. So I'll, I'll let you tell, tell how and why you got into property management. Cause I like the story. Um, I hate the business model. I could never be, I, I, ugh, the thought of managing rental properties is like mm-hmm. just not my personality, but that's a problem that a lot of people have. So
1: how'd you get into that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll get to the punchline when we're done here. But uh, so here's here's the deal. So I owned a bunch of properties in a particular area, and I went through one property management company, and we had a nightmare situation with them. We found that there was some money that was being moved around, double charging for maintenance that was being done, escrow was disappearing, they were taking more escrow back out of our rents, that kind of stuff. So it was really kind of aggravating. So we went to a different company, and Lo and behold, we had a situation where we had an overzealous person uh, who was our rep who decided they were going to raise our rents. And they didn't say like, yeah, we're going to raise your rents 15%. I am not a big rent raise kind of guy. I believe that if my tenants are happy, keep them happy, right? You'll eventually be able to turn around and, and get your rents back up to where they need to be up to market rent at some point. My goal is to hold my, my tenants for five, six years uh, and if they want to stay for 10, that's great too, because I'm still, they're paying the mortgage down. I'm getting appreciation, declaring the depreciation. You know, I don't have to do a lot of renovations while they're in there. It's great. Um, they went and raised 15% right off the bat. Well, the next thing I know, I'm, I'm 66% vacancy, boom, in a matter of a month, like 30 days. Wow. They're like, yeah, peace, we're out. So I went from making 30000 a month to about 3500 because we were being charged for the turnover of each property. We were being charged construction fees. We were being charged property management fees, all this stuff that you, it was just a nightmare. And it it took about a year. I mean, we just got out of the nightmare. Um, We went through another property management company. They were awesome. Uh, This is not where I am currently doing my management, by the way, this is in a different area. They were great. And then they were like, hey, by the way, um, Yeah, we have 2000 personally owned and managed properties, so we're not going to manage for anybody else. So see you after they took escrow money, after they took Mm -hmm. onboarding money three months later, they're like, peace. So I I, basically $45,000 in just under a year, not net. That was the escrow, the onboarding for the first company, for the second company. And then the third company just reached out and they're like, Hey, we need 10 grand. I'm like, yeah, no, no, we got to, we got to, we got to you know, we're going to step this up. We're going to do a waterfall, like a reverse waterfall. And they were like, okay, so we'll see. Anyway. um, So the same thing started to happen in Jersey where the manager stopped communicating. They stopped talking to me. There were repairs that weren't getting done. There were tenants that were moving out. I wasn't being told. Then they were like, Hey, we're going to turn this property. And I'm like, great. um, It's been two months. We got anybody in there yet? Oh no, we're working on it. No, you're not. I don't see, it's not even listed yet. What's going on. They, you know, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this myself. So that's what we did. We took over. I took, I took the 17 doors that I currently have here, picked up a brokerage um, buddy of mine. Who's a broker. My, my, I had to make a choice, right? Am I going to be a broker myself or am I going to partner with a broker? So I partnered with the broker cause I don't have the time to go through this mm. training school. Um, so we are communication oriented. Crazy enough, right? Who'd have thought that it's that easy to just have three virtual assistants, a leasing agent, and an operations manager who do nothing but make phone calls to investors. And pretty much all day long. Um, Mm -hmm. And then finance is what finance is. And then we have our attorney. So it's like, hey, dude, notice that you're uh, having a problem paying the rent this month. What's going on? "Uh, Dude, you're calling me. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, Nobody ever called me before. Right. Well, I'm not nobody. I'm the new property management company. So what are we doing? What's your plan? Are you going to, because in, in a day, you know, you're late today. We give you tomorrow, which is the day that we're talking to give us a plan. You're not going to give me a plan right now while we're on the phone tomorrow, legal will be reaching out to you. And then there's a $50 charge for them sending a letter saying exactly what I'm saying to you on the phone right now. Okay. Here's my plan. Great. No problem. I'm going to hold you to that. Done. They get the 5% late fee, obviously. Um, we keep the late fee because we're chasing everybody down for the owners and and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But anyway, so that's how we got into property management. It's just, a we just got tired of, of not getting information from the people that were supposed to be giving us information.
0: Yeah. It's, it's uh it seems like kind of a, a path that a lot of investors take, right? The bigger you get there, I mean, every property manager, there's some issue somewhere, um they're none of them are perfect and none of them will ever care about your properties as much as you and your team do. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean there's definitely you know, there's a guy, uh, Marty in the in the war room who's building out a course on property management right now mm-hmm. just because he's so fed up with seeing all these extra fees and um lack of communication. So yeah, it's uh it's eye opening when you start digging. So I, I get it. Um Dave, I teach self
1: management to my students. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I don't I, I like it. You know, I don't go like, "Hey, come to me. I'll manage your properties." I'm like, "Oh, right, here's your self management. And if you don't want to do that, then you can come to me. But I would recommend you go this way because why wouldn't you? What else are you doing? You know,
0: yeah, get yourself yeah. a
1: secretary. You know, virtual assistant. <laughs> pay them about seven bucks an hour, maybe ten, depending on their qualities and what they're doing. Who's using Stessa? You know, we got a couple of guys in the war room using Stessa. It's like ten bucks a month or something like that for the pro plan, or you can go spend you know 1800 bucks a year for something like Buildium, or you get over 150 doors you can do app for 100 doors you can do app folio which is even you know but just yeah. Yeah, self-manage as long as you can as much as you can if you have the time to do it if not come see me
0: yeah i agree yeah i need to I uh, when i was when i was younger i should have done that I, at this point i'm, I'm i actually really like my property manager i think i got lucky i mean i know there's some fees in there and whatever but i mean you know, she showed up at court for me for like, sat outside a courtroom for like five and a half hours once mm-hmm. to deal with a legal battle I was in that had virtually nothing to do with her other than she'd hired the maintenance guy. And uh, so I'm like, yeah, all right, if you're loyal. We'll, we'll, we'll stick with that. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. All right. So, so what's next? I mean, okay, we've done police, military, mayor, house, inve- you know, home investor, coach. Um, what are you most excited about? What are you working on?
1: Yeah, right now, man, just uh, getting done setting up this property management company. Right now, that's my focus. Uh, We still have a couple of um, commercial multifamily properties that we're in stabilization on. We're getting close. We're about two months out from getting both of those stabilized. Once that's done, we refinance, pay back our our investors. We have a couple of debt investors. They're small. So we just took a debt investor on both of those, pay them back. And then we're just going to concentrate fully on this PM deal. And then we're going to start looking, we're going to really, crush it we're looking to start um uh yeah second street capital is what we're looking for eventually getting into that multifamily. i've done some i've done some capital raising for for gps been a co-gp a few times you know um i don't really throw that out there in the numbers but it puts me over 100 but instead i'm at you know i tell people i have 52 doors because that's kind of where we are um you know I'm really kind of looking forward to getting into the mom and pop um, aspect of buying those smaller commercial multifamilies from five doors up to 50 and just kind of holding them long term and finding some equity partners that want to be a part of it. And if it comes down to be that Evans, you know, the second street um, capital is a uh, is a fund. So be it. And if it turns out that it's going to be an actual holding company, so be it. I haven't figured that one out yet. We're not there.
0: Yeah, I like it that makes sense. Um, all right. So I got, we're going to jump into this debrief here in a minute, this new segment for anyone listening. This is going to be a ongoing thing, but before I do that, I'm just curious. Cause I'm a, you know, a shameless plug guy and you are a member. What's your experience been with, like with uh, the war room? We're not a high ticket offer. We don't do one-on-one coaching or anything like that. We're different than a lot of groups, but I always like to just ask.
1: Yeah, man. So, uh, here's, here's the difference um, between you and other mentorships that I'm with. Um, it's kind of like a flip on the percentages so in the non-military based masterminds that i've been a part of call them masterminds they're you know it's not like you know go or anything like that right yeah. these are the smaller ones that get together on zoom calls and there's a fee It's like 20% of the people in there are doing stuff. 80% of the people are watching it happen versus the war room where it's 80% of the people that are in there are following exactly what we're being told because that's our nature. And 20% of the people that are standing on the sidelines are going, damn, I'm just afraid to dip my toes in the water. You know, it's, it's completely opposite of any other, uh, any other mastermind that I'm involved in.
0: I like it. And I like hearing that. Yeah. So that's, it's funny because over time, right. When this started, there was all kinds of thoughts for what it might be. And over time, my uh, favorite thing about the war room and my quote unquote pitch is just become the community. It's like, man, the the people in the group are what makes the group special. It's that's it. Um, I mean, there's don't get me wrong. There's other crap, but uh, exactly what you said. It's like there's somebody doing something in every niche of real estate and they're willing to talk to you and just break it down. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And Dave, you know, as well as I do that this whole, this whole real estate, field this whole you know industry it's it's more collaboration over than comp over competition which is great and if you get the chance to talk to somebody i'd highly recommend it because they're probably going to chat with you if they're like within 10 percent of where you are now you're definitely going to get into that conversation in the war room yeah. dude you're you're way above guys that are just starting out and you still take the time to have that conversation you know jump into the when we do our breakout sessions jump into the breakout session and you just get riddled with questions you know
0: yeah, you too. Everybody. I mean, everybody in there, there's some pretty, pretty high caliber investors in there and they still show up and, and help. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Cause it seems like a lot of people that's like their way of giving back. And I'm like, man, like, oh, cool. Bring it all, bring it all in. Let's all give back to the community. All right. So the debrief, I need to come up with some like. Know, like music or something for that, right? Like, isn't that like the, the bigger pockets always does the quick tip? Just yeah. Be brief. Uh, right. um, but, uh, all right. So, the first thing we're going to do on this, so it's five questions. The first one is I pulled a question from the Facebook group. Now, this one ended a little bit odder than I anticipated. So, we'll go from there. But Carolyn Stark asks So, the basic premise of the question is rent or sell a house as they're PCSing, right? And then they gave some info. The one piece they're missing, and this is why I say it kind of deviates, is they They didn't know their market rent. And then there's like 73 comments and nobody else knew the market rent. So uh, they purchased it at 223. They think they'd sell it for like 295. So they got like 60K in equity. Um, It's a 2.5% interest loan. And so their pity, their mortgage payment is like 1700. Um, They have no debt, but they also don't really have cash reserves. And the question is, I thought the question was going to be like, here's the market rent. Should we rent or sell? The question actually kind of changes. And the question was, what kind of rents would you need to be able to get in order to justify holding on to this thing? And how do you make that decision?
1: Yeah, everybody knows about the 1% rule, which is more like a guideline. It depends on the area. I hate to say it depends, but it really does. Uh, like I know that the 1% rule, you cannot live on the 1% rule in South Jersey. Uh, in North Jersey, it will destroy you. Same thing with California. I look at about 1.3 in my area, but you know you can use that as a guideline. If you're looking at a $1,700 pity payment, you've got to look at 10% for property management, another 10% for holdback, so you're at about $340 on top of that. So we're at about $2,100 bucks. So you probably need to pull about $2,500 bucks a month on that on that deal. Um, and depending on who you're going to rent it out to, you know, BAH in that area it depends on what it is, right? If you're if you're able to pull in $2,400 in BAH, rent it to a rent it to one guy, rent it, rent it to a, you know, an NCO, rent it to four NCOs and charge them $600 each on the four bedroom, you know, do that. And, and, and it works it out, you know, whatever it takes.
0: I like. I that wouldn't it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my, my basic thought is usually as long as you can get enough to hold on to it, I, I like the idea of holding. So, all right. Number two, and this is, I guess, a two part, what's the dumbest thing you've ever purchased? Doesn't have to be an investment and the smartest, you know, like if there's a item that you're like, wow, I can't live without my Apple watch. I don't know. Or, or an investment.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly tied into social media. So, um, especially with the coaching program and all that. So it's, it's, you know, the, I guess the smartest thing it it's, I am big into tech and innovations so it's got to be a combination of the thing you know it can't just be just one right so i have asana which is linked to my gmail which is linked to my google calendar and it dumps stuff into motion ai so my my tech is probably the smartest stuff that i buy i'm looking at something called upright tools right now which is a project management software which is i'm like it it will probably i won't be using my asana checklist anytime soon when I, when I make this purchase. Oh. Um, so I, I got to say that the smartest purchases I've made relatively speaking, because some of the dumbest purchases I've made are also tech, but you know, <laughs> some of the smartest purchases I've made are tech and things that kind of keep you locked in. And, you know, like I just upgraded to um, iOS 17 today because holy crud, man, the, the, the amount of things that they plugged into this is incredible. Um, as far as the dumbest things, you know, I, I, I would, I, I got into a situation where I traded in one car and then I traded in and then I got like, you know, I saw something else and I got a shiny object syndrome and I traded in and bought another car. Then I bought a truck and then I went back on active duty and I lived like an hour and 30 minutes away from the base. And then I had to trade it in again. You know, it was like within four years, I had four different, five different cars plus the truck. Yeah. So I, you know, I, (laughs) I've made some dumb decisions I can't I can't put my finger up. I and I love the the Chevy Avalanche which is what it was so I, I had a blazer my wife bought me when I got back from Iraq in 2003 and um that was that was probably the dumbest thing because we got um we did some aftermarket stuff to it like my son was just he was a baby so we got the drop-down DVD player which was you know brand new back then and you know it's it's it shorted out the electrical system and i turned my left turn signal on and the hazard lights went on and my interior lights went off and then my my headlights would flicker and just crazy stuff like that but that was that was probably the worst purchase i ever made was that that chevy blazer but (laughs) yeah that that was the one i traded in on the avalanche which i loved and then i you know i stopped being a cop and went back into the military and it was like oh my goodness
0: I have the sneaking suspicion, as I ask that question more, that vehicles are going to probably come up a lot for service members.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, my Bugatti. No. Yeah, oh man, I wish. Right. All yeah. right.
0: Name a um, a book, podcast, or resource that turned you into a better leader or investor.
1: Yeah. Uh, anything EOS related? Um, mm. Yeah. So traction. Uh, Gino Wickman. Yeah. So I I I live by traction. I live by the EOS model. Uh, I firmly believe in the four key components that you can create any business using the four key components that you know was talked about in there. You have your your visionary and integrator leadership section, you have your sales and marketing section, you have your operations section, and you have your finance section. And they're all integral, and if you you have one weakness in any of them, all all the rest fail, you know. Mm. So um, I definitely recommend that and finding out how that whole process works really, really helps you straighten things out and set things up for success in the long run. You know, especially when you start talking about hiring people like we just had to release somebody um, a couple of weeks ago because we went through our processes. And one of our processes is the GWC. Do they get it? Do they want it? And are they capable of doing it? Um, And we got there and we were like, do they get it? Yes are they capable? Yes. Do they want it? No. And if, and if there's a negative in the entire thing, it's like, you got to go, you know Um, you can have a plus minus in there. Like, yeah, I, I get it, but I'm a little confused with a little bit of help. I can get around that. So it's a plus minus, but I really want it. And yeah, I'm capable of doing it. I just need to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Okay, cool. No problem. We can train to that, but you know, That that whole process there really helps you uh, figure out who if you have the right butts in the right seats. And if not, they just got to go and you got to get them out of there quickly.
0: I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, Someone's listening to the show and they want to make or save more money instead of consuming another podcast episode as soon as this one's over. Because, you know, you drive in and you're like, I'm going to podcast. I'll do another podcast. And somehow I think people believe that listening to the podcast is the action for the day. So the question is, You know, what should they do instead? What next step should they take?
1: Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm understanding the question correctly, it's um, what action should they take? Not, I mean, obviously it's not listening to the podcast, but if somebody wants to make money, what action should they take to make money?
0: Yeah. What's that next step?
1: Yeah. uh, Figure out what you like, figure out what you're good at. If they're two of the same things, sell that shit or, you know, do it for somebody else, uh, find a package and then go. Uh, so I, I've had this conversation with my wife. I've had this conversation with my employees. Um, I can easily go out and make myself $10,000 like that. What I can't do is save 10,000 on the money that I'm making now. Mm. So figure it out, find out what you want to do, take action, get out there, do it, execute it, and then watch the cash roll in. Um, and I know that sounds kind of weak, but Here's, here's how you do it. Um, you get together, you throw a bunch of information out on social media. You say, Hey, this is what I'm doing right now. This is why I'm qualified to do it. I'm doing this for this many people over the next period of time. Who wants it? The first five people that qualify for this, I'm going to do that with you and help you do X and then start interviews. I did 50 hours of interviews in a matter of two weeks. I picked up four students and out of those four students, we, we finished with three. Damn. So $20,000 in three days essentially is what it turned into. So, you know, yeah. just take action, get out there, figure it out and take action. I love it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Uh, I talk every now and then about like, all right, you know, the first step is figuring out like what you're passionate or really good at mm-hmm. and what's your zone of genius. Everybody's got something and you can make money doing literally anything if you're creative enough and willing to, you know, help others, right? What's that, that quote, I don't even know who it's from, but, uh, you can have everything else or everything you want in the world, as long as you're willing to help other people achieve their dreams. Um, right, wh- but where can people find out more about you? Where can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, check me out on Facebook. Uh, it's Bud Evans, um, or on Instagram at Bud.Evans or go to BudEvans.com. Evan- Bud uh, for more or check me out on the aim
0: the aimhighpodcast.com mm, and bud evans.com those are both really easy to remember so that's yeah. that's that's good
1: that's good i like it all right is there anything we missed uh you know I, I i don't think so man i'm pretty sure we hit the entire gambit um you know i'll punch it out there again that i was failing miserably until i got the right mentor so find a good mentor if it happens to be me that's great if not that's great too if you have any questions or you want guidance in that and you don't believe it's me, that's great too. Go to Bud book a call. I will tell you who to go to. Most likely I have an answer. I like that.
0: Yeah. And I know we didn't like dig into the, the wickets and, you know, dotting our I's and crossing our T's on the burr strategy today, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, we talked about, I think, pretty much everything else. Yeah, we, we burr from we, we
1: burr from single family all the way up to fifty doors.
0: Hell yeah. I like it. Yeah, Bud knows a thing or two, so go schedule that call if you wanna if you wanna chat about the bird strategy and, and real estate investing in general. So Bud, thanks so much for joining us today. Dave, I've been looking forward to
1: this. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Likewise.